Hello, happy Wednesday. What it do? It's your girl, Mallory Lovings, with another episode of Doing Well, Doing Swell. (laughs) Today's episode is all about travel. As some of you know, I just went on a four-month travel spree. I hit Europe, I did a weekend trip to Africa, and I also hit Asia. I'm going to explain how I did it, how I saved, how I planned, how I packed, Everything you need to know is going to be in this episode, so it's going to be a long one, but I'm not trying to miss out any details so that you guys can do exactly what I did, but even better. So, without further ado, let's get into it. All right, all right, all right, let's get it popping. I tried to organize these questions in a way that I felt was best for the information to flow if you were to be planning your own trip. So bear with me. First questions first, did I use a travel agency? Absolutely not. Travel gal Mal at your service. I don't have anything against agencies, but I think they're more so necessary if you are last minute planning and you don't have the time to plan it yourself. I feel like an agency you might book a trip for five thousand dollars that if you planned it yourself may cost you like two thousand dollars so i just don't feel like it's necessary to go to a travel agency unless you just don't have the time time is money you know so you're you're gonna pay more for not having to do the work of planning it yourself though planning it yourself is not hard i know it's kind of daunting at first especially if you've never planned a trip before but it's not that hard you just got to get started and you don't have to do everything at once you don't have to plan the whole trip at once you can plan it as you go which is what I do. It's what I prefer to do because you may plan something, but then the next week you may feel completely different and you may not want to do that. And personally, I don't want to be locked down to doing certain things that I know I may be iffy on once the time comes because, you know, you want to use your time wisely. If if there's something that you're hesitant on that you may want to do, but you're like, I may also not want to do that if I find something else, just don't plan it. Wait until you get there. Um, Unless it's something that you need to plan in months in advance, then whatever. But I don't know. I knocked things off of my bucket list that I planned like maybe a few days ahead, a week ahead, maybe max. So I wouldn't worry about stressing about planning. You can plan as you go. So yeah, (laughs) no travel agency here. Uh, Second question, which also ties into a couple of other questions. So this is going to be one long, big answer, um, but about what my budget was and how I saved. So My budget was $10,000 and I started saving back in 2018. My goal was $10,000 to do a month of travel in 2020. Obviously the vid hit, so no one could go anywhere. So I just continued saving after 2020 until I was able to make my way abroad. How many of you guys think I have a sugar daddy because I'm insulted? This is a self-made Mal, okay? I funded my trip, I grew my savings account. I did this, me. So no, I don't have a sugar daddy. I have discipline and I have a sugar mama, which is myself, sugar mama Mal. So don't play with me. I don't have a sugar daddy. My goal for saving was $500 a month. And yes, that is a lot. But I knew if if you shoot for the moon, you're going to end in the stars. You know what I mean? So that's why I was like, let me shoot for $500 a month and see what I make. I'm pretty disciplined when it comes to money. Um, So I was treating this $500 as a bill and I was trying to meet that bill every month. 
at the time when I started saving in 2018, August of 2018, to be exactly specific with you guys, I was making $20 an hour. So I wasn't making much. My rent at the time was $1,000 a month. My car payment was like $250 a month. My car insurance was like six something, 600 something every six months. Um, phone bills, etc. You get the point. I have bills, student loans. I have stuff I have to pay. So I would budget myself accordingly and I would try to save $500 a month. Some months I was not making that. I would maybe only get 150 in there. Some months I would get 400 in there. Some months I would get 700 in there. It just depended on how much overtime I was working, how much I was spending in extracurriculars. Um, it also made sense for me to save 500 a month because in addition to saving for this big travel trip that I just did, I also have family in Chicago and St. Louis that I need to visit frequently and a round trip to get home is like $500 minimum. So for me, I was just like, let me oversave because I know I'm going to need it. And I had setbacks as well. Like I remember when I was first into saving, like within the first like year, I maybe had like, I think it was like $3,200 I had saved up towards this travel fund and I had to get into it because of course... Of course, my car is going to have problems. Why would it not? You know, <laughs> let me just sprinkle some dust on top of everything else great that's going on in your life. Let me add an $1,100 bill on top of all of that. So I did have to dig into that. And I was at like 3200 I remember I was so upset because I was like, I just worked so hard to save all of this. But in hindsight, I was glad I was saving that much because I did have that bill to pay. So I highly recommend being disciplined in your savings. But, and I also, another thing that helped me save, I recommend doing budgeting with a friend or just having somebody that you feel like you can confide in financially to talk things out through when it comes to spending. Because there are going to be things that you need that you're like, I need it. Do I need it now? Um, and just... I had Allie, so Allie and I would probably text like maybe once a month and just go through our budget with each other and write everything out of like, these are the bills that I have and this is what they equate to and this is what I have left over after I pay all of my bills. This is also what I have left over after I give myself a hundred bucks for my personal savings for me for fun time and this is what I have left. How much should I put in savings? How much should I keep in my checking to like just have for myself to live off of? So in my budget and talking it out with Allie really helped. I would include all of my bills. I would also include my gas usage. I would also include uh, my grocery spending. I kept everything in mind when I would do my budget. I would track all of my spending. And then at the end of that, I would come up with the amount that I had at the end of each month to play with. And it was usually $700 around there, give or take, depending on if I worked a lot of overtime um, or if I did need to spend extra on my car or whatever it may be. I took that one lump sum that I had at the end of each month and then I would decide how much I'm going to put into my savings fund for my travels, um, how much I was going to keep in my checking account for like fun money if I wanted to go do something or go to brunch or whatever. I tried to stick to the $500 a month in my savings and then I would live off of like two, three hundred dollars every two weeks. I would try to, but at this time I was really frugal. I was meal prepping. I wasn't overspending. I would purposely eat dinner before going out to dinner. That way I could save money and like just get a drink or just get like a side. And it worked for me. The system that I had was really good, but I was really frugal at this point. And I was able to save the $10,000 by 2020, but I just couldn't go at that time. 
So that's how I saved. Another tip that I use for saving that I feel like is really helpful and now it's a habit and I keep it with me today is money comparison. So if I go out one weekend and I know my friend just spent $400 at a bar on a Friday night, I know I'm not going to do that because to me, I'm like $400 could get me a round trip to Seattle, could get my Airbnb and my traveling while there in a rental car. And I could have a whole experience. I could have a whole trip with $400 that I see people just blowing at the bar type of thing. So once I started doing money comparisons, and it's not judging people for how they spend their money because it's your money, spend it how you want. But it helped me realize what I do and don't want to spend my money on. Because to me, I don't need that $200 pair of shoes, at least right now, because I don't need it. And $200 can pay for my eating and my expenses while I'm in Mexico or something like that. I just always do a money comparison because it really puts in perspective what your money could be going towards. And it also allows you to figure out like to weigh the pros and cons, like "Mm, would I rather spend this $200 here or would I rather spend this $200 here? And I think that's really important to do because it allows you to decide what you think your money is worth. Another thing that I did to save money while being gone was freezing my car insurance. So I didn't have to, I paid like $30 total for my car insurance for the four months I was gone because I wasn't using it. It's just sitting. So the $30 was for uh, protection if like a tree fell on it, if somebody else hit it, etc. But freezing your car insurance is a really smart thing to do. Another thing that I did to save money, and I'll talk a little bit about this more as well because I don't know if this was the best thing to do, but I'll talk about it more later, but I got rid of my apartment here in the States because my apartment here in the States was like, I don't know, $1,100, $1,200, maybe 13 depending on the utilities and whatnot, and I wasn't going to be here. So I decided that it would be in my best interest to get rid of my apartment and save that money and use it for while I'm gone. Um, and I put all of my stuff in storage. I kept it in my car. I, I had it spread out between people in LA and San Diego, back at home in St. Louis. So that's what I decided to do to save money. And another thing just in general that you guys should probably know is I also paid off my car in 2020. That was a uh, that was my birthday gift to myself. (laughs) So I haven't had a car payment to worry about for the past few years, which has also helped my savings because not having the car payment, I put that car payment money towards my savings and I still acted like I was paying that bill, which has also set me up really well because any bill that I used to have that I don't have now has just been a savings bill. So that's how I got my money. Um, Again, I wasn't perfect with $500 a month, but I tried to aim for that every month. And I think that just really set me up for success because I was aiming high. Also, I'll never forget this day. It was during COVID, the stimulus checks were coming out. I got my stimulus check, my tax refund, and payday from work all in the same day. I looked at my bank account, I said, woo-wee, is it Christmas? (laughs) It's Christmas in June. That was another thing I did. Any large lump sum of money, like all of my stimulus checks went straight into my travel fund. All of my tax refunds over the past few years have just gone straight into my travel fund. They've all gone directly to savings. I haven't put them towards anything else. I've literally just been working to save for this traveling. Any extra money I got where people are like, oh, I'm going to get A, B, and C. I was like, "Mm, I'm saving that because I want to get A, B, and C (laughs) in Thailand. You know what I'm saying? So now that you have the money, what do you do? A lot of people were asking me, you know, I don't even know where to begin. So like if I had the money, I wouldn't even know how to start planning. 
I feel that. When it comes to traveling, I say focus on whatever interests you. Um, if you like to swim, maybe look at places that have a lot of water that you could do a lot of water activities. If you like to hike, look at places that have really dope hikes. They're all over the world and they're so amazing. Maybe travel to national parks, even here in the States. Start here in the States because our national parks are crazy. They go crazy. We have great nature to explore here in the States. Like the States is a phenomenal backyard to get started in. If you haven't like started traveling at all, I would just start here because we have amazing things to explore. I haven't even explored half of the things in the States that I want to explore. Um, so I would just start with thinking like, what type of traveler you are. Are you a like nature outdoorsy type of traveler? Are you traveling for concerts? Like find an event that maybe you want to go to, whether it's a festival or a concert. I traveled to Paris specifically for Florence and the Machine with Carson. And that can help you explore different cities by being like, oh, this artist I like is in that town. Let me go and just see what they have to offer there. Are you a traveler that likes day parties and like maybe you want to go to Ibiza or somewhere that has just crazy day resorts where you can just party all day and talk to other people. Maybe you're a foodie and you want to travel to places that have different cuisines. You know, like think of what you're interested in and base your traveling off of that. And you could just Google search anything. Google's Google was my best friend during these times. Like just start Googling what you want to do and research those places. All of your answers are in Google. I promise you. I promise you. Everything you need to know, Google has outside of me. But you can't, I'm not a search engine, Google is. So once you figure out, you know, places that interest you, write them down, search flights, compare and contrast the price of the flights. Flight engines that I use personally are for in-state, skip lagged and orbits. These are the places where I find the cheapest flights. They also have hidden city flights. Hidden city, I don't necessarily recommend, but if you're balling on a budget, then you gotta do what you gotta do. I've taken a few hidden city flights. Hidden city flights, for example, let's say I want to go to Chicago for the weekend from San Diego, but the flights to Chicago from San Diego are absolutely absurd. Sometimes there will be a cheaper flight to New York and there's a layover in Chicago. So I'll get on the flight to New York, but I'm going to get off of the plane in Chicago. The trick with hidden city flights is that they're kind of frowned upon, so you don't necessarily want to get caught doing it. You can only take a carry-on bag and you want to get to the airport early because you need to ensure that you have space in the cabin above your head because if your bag gets checked, you're going to be in Chicago and your bag is going to be in New York and you don't want that to happen. So you just need to ensure that your bag doesn't get checked and you just get off the plane when you land in Chicago. I sometimes don't risk taking a carry-on and I'll just take a bag that can fit under my seat because you know you're guaranteed that space. Um, but yeah, so those are good options and they'll also show you hidden city flights for abroad. I was using Google flights and I was also using capital one. So another thing that I did for money wise was I upgraded my credit card to be a travel credit card just to maximize the points that I get. Cause you get a crazy amount of points for booking flights, rental cars, and hotels through capital one. So that's what I did and it was really helpful while I was abroad, but Google Flights was also good just so I could compare the flight prices from Capital One and Google and Capital One also. If you find a flight somewhere else that was cheaper than what they were offering, they'll match it. So that's what I was using when I was abroad. It was really helpful and I do recommend it 
those are my keys to finding flights. Um, Cassie, my friend Cassie was like, how do I cope with long flights? I personally, I have a sleeping CBD oil and for like the 12, 13, 14 hour flights, oh, I'm putting droplets of that under my tongue and I'm hoping I pass out until the plane lands, <laughs> which has happened. I've been very thankful that that CBD oil has worked for me and I'll just pass out and wake up once we land. But there have been times where it hasn't worked. And I just make sure I'm stocked up on music, stocked up on books to read, games to play, watching Netflix or whatever show that I'm watching at that time is always extremely helpful because if you're watching an hour long show, you don't realize that an hour passes by. And if you have like 10 episodes to watch, it goes by really fast. So the circle kept me company on my way back from uh, Taiwan this past trip because that was insane. I couldn't sleep. I was just excited to be home by that point. So I was just up and I was like, ah, <laughs> cracked out on the plane, even though I took so many drops of the CBD oil, I just couldn't sleep. So yeah, I would just download all of the shows, all of the music, all of the games, anything that you could do. I journal, uh, I take books. Uh, that's how I cope through really long flights. But if you can find something that'll knock you out, I think sleeping is the best way to go. Places to stay. Where do I find places to stay? Airbnb. And now that I have Capital One, I was using that to find hotels. Otherwise, before I used Capital One, I was using Airbnb because Airbnb is reliable. They also show you hostels. And a lot of people have the stigma against hospitals, uh, not hospitals, <laughs> hostels. Um, but hostels are really great. And also if you are solo traveling or you're just kind of young and you also want to mingle, hostels are great. They'll have rooms to where you can play games with other people. They're just a great way to kind of get more immersed in the community that you're in. They also have themed hostels. So if you did want to stay in like a more young adult hostel, you could stay in like an 18 to 35 age range hostel, or you could stay in an older one. If you're older, they have like 35 to 60 or whatever, whatever age range you want. They also have ones that are specifically for networking and like um, socializing. So you can get hostels that have bars and games and whatnot. Hostels are great and they're cheap. So yeah, finding a place to stay isn't hard. I wouldn't stress too much about it. Another question, this was asked a lot. How do I get around? How was the transportation in the different places that I would go? Again, Google it. Google is going to be your best friend. Wherever you're going, Google how to get around in so-and-so. Uh, public transportation was my best friend. I used a lot of subways and trains and buses. But also in Europe specifically, walking was amazing. Uh, I just walked everywhere. But if you Google, you know, how to get to and from whatever, it'll tell you if there's an app like Uber or Lyft which a lot of countries do have. So like France has Uber, Spain had Cabify. They'll have their own versions of Uber and you can download that app and use it. That's super simple. Switzerland, for example, they had the Swiss travel pass, which was really nice. You just paid one lump sum of money, but you get unlimited access to the buses, the trains, the cable cars, anything that you need. So that was super helpful. And I just went ahead and bought that. It was expensive, but I didn't have to worry about transportation at all. In Thailand, it was kind of hard because there wasn't that much English. And I don't know, the bus systems just seemed a bit weird. So uh, we just did what Google said. It said the best thing to do was get a motorbike and rent it for the time that you're there, which we did. And it was the best time of my life. I wish I could go back to Thailand just to ride on a motorbike the entire time. Like 
we explored and did all this stuff, but there were days where we were like, we just want to ride all day because you saw so much of the island. It was amazing. So again, Google's your best friend. I wouldn't worry about public transportation. It is safe, way better than in the States. So it's not hard to figure out. I recommend public transportation even over, over Cabify, like we only use that if like the subway was closed. So regardless of what type of tr transit you wanna use, Google's gonna be your best friend to figure out what is the best way. Also just get comfortable with walking. It's not that hard to move your legs. <laughs> um, visas and legalities, again, Google it. Each place is going to be different, but I wouldn't stress too much about it. Most places have a 90-day visa, which is uh, three months, and you can stay there on that visa. It depends on where you're at, so you'll want to look up the logistics of it because, for example, Europe has Shigan states, and after your 90 days and wherever you're at, you can go somewhere else in Europe, but it can't be a part of that Shigan state. So they'll issue you a new 90-day visa if you go to the correct spot but like for example i was in spain for 90 days so i couldn't after my 90 days there i couldn't go to france because france is still in the shigan state but turkey isn't so i could go to turkey and i could get another visa through them and if i'm not mistaken turkey's like traveler's visa is i think six months so each place will kind of differ and you get your visas in the airports when you're traveling to and from they'll stamp your passport uh, and they'll also stamp a visa in there. So you don't necessarily have to worry about it. You just have to make sure that you're taking track of the days that you're in certain places. That way you don't get caught up and find like however much money they want to find you. So yeah, Google's going to be your best friend with that. I wouldn't worry too much about it. It's not too stressful. I didn't even worry about visas until I got there. <laughs> so <laughs> I got a lot of questions about safety. I didn't feel, the the one place that I felt unsafe was in Nice, France, surprisingly out of all places. I went to Istanbul, I went to Taiwan, Thailand, Morocco, um, and all of those places I felt really safe. Nice was the only place that I felt kind of unsafe, and that's just because we were dealing with a lot of people trying to scam us, like, as soon as we got out the airport. And some people just weren't friendly. So I wouldn't even say I felt necessarily unsafe, but it was the one place where my guard was up more than it was at other places. But your guard should always be up. You don't want to be naive. You want to be aware of your surroundings. So I think if you're doing all of that, you're fine. My recommendation would to be to take public transportation or if you are taking a car somewhere, make sure you have an app that's tracking it like Cabify or Uber. Don't get in some random person's car who's like, oh, but I can take you cheaper than Cabify. I can take you cheaper than Uber. Mm, no, you're weird, sir. Just don't do that, that's weird. Also, another thing that was really helpful for me, you can just Google safety precautions in the places that you're visiting. So for example, if you go to travel.state.gov, it'll tell you the state of that place that you're trying to go. Like red is super dangerous, don't go there, you just don't wanna travel there, no visitors. Yellow is like minor crime, like pickpocketing, uh, stealing phones, etc., which is normal in all places, especially if you're a traveler, you just need to be cautious of those things. And specifically when we were in Spain and France, they were just kind of like, people will ride by on scooters or on bikes. And if you're just like walking with your hand, like in your phone like this, they'll just rip your phone out of your hand. So it's also good to like talk to locals 
in each cabify or each uber that we had from an uh from an airport somewhere we would just talk to them and kind of get to know them and they would often give us tips of like people will do this this and this but for the most part you're good so that we just had a heads up and if they don't speak english well you know then you won't get those tips but if they do and i feel like a lot of people do then that's also helpful because they'll give you they'll also give you areas to stay away from like just don't go in that area so Talk to the locals, be friendly, Google it. I wouldn't worry too much about feeling unsafe. I feel like I felt more unsafe here in the States than I did the entire time that I was gone, (laughs) which I don't know if anybody's going to be too surprised by that. Work. What did I do for work? So um, my work situation is interesting because uh, I work from home and I work for CBS. And initially when I was hired with them, I was hired as freelance. And as a freelance employee, you kind of have the range to be like, I can work these eight months of the year, but I can't work these four months. Or um, I can work on this project, but after this project, I'm going to take two months off and then I can start on a new project come, you know, August or whatever it may be. So I was started off as freelance there. And they called me to ask me to be uh, on a staffed position, which, yay, I was so excited about. Um, And at this time, I was already aware that I was planning this trip. So I let them know on that same phone call, like, I would love to be staffed, but I was planning a three-month trip, you know, at the end of the year, and I was going to take the time off and just go do my thing. I was also really burnt out at this time. There was a week where I had worked, like, 96 hours in six days. So I just needed a break. So I did that. They said they would work with me and that was great. I ended up going to the doctor and explaining to her my work situation with the amount of hours that I was working. And my doctor signed an FMLA, a family medical leave of absence for me, which allowed me to keep my health insurance while I was gone. And do I think that's necessary? I mean, I feel like if you can do it, yes, you should, because you just never know what's going to happen. I didn't necessarily need my health insurance while I was gone. But in my last month, I did get food poisoning twice. And the first time was in Spain. The second time was in Taiwan. And in Taiwan, there wasn't much English. So if I would have went to the doctor, I don't know how I would have been able to explain that properly. Luckily, my friend Jackie was with us, and she speaks Taiwanese and Mandarin. So she would have been able to translate for me. But just keep your health insurance. You never know what's going to happen. If you did get rid of it for the time being, if you needed to, I'm going to let you make that call um, because I was prepared to get rid of mine if I needed to. Uh, So I think that's just a personal decision, but I was able to keep it. So I did keep it. I did end up working while I was gone for the first month. My hours were 6 p.m. to 3 a.m., I didn't mind it too much. Uh, There were some nights, you know, if I was working overtime where I would be working until like 6 a.m., but it was okay. I really enjoyed it, especially because in Spain, um, tapas time is like 10 p.m., 11 p.m., so it worked perfectly for me to take my lunch during that time and then come back and work the rest of the evening. And my teammates were also very, like, supportive and helpful. So it worked out, and then I took the rest of the time off, And then I returned literally the the day I got back. I started working that next morning, (laughs) which maybe wasn't a good idea. I definitely should have given myself like a grace week at least. But that is something I would recommend I would do differently because I got back at like 10 p.m. on Sunday night and the next morning I had to go to work. So I was jet lagged. I had food poisoning still. It was just I wish I had a week to kind of recoup. But lessons learned. Lessons learned. 
a lot of people were asking about internet access. I wouldn't worry about that at all. Like I said, I worked the whole first month I was over there. Wi-Fi is not hard to come by. Uh, and if it is, you have your hotspot on your phone. So I would recommend upgrading your phone plan to be international um, and unlimited data and roaming. So that way you can use your hotspot if needed. But I was able to work for the most part very uh, efficiently. I didn't have any problems with that. I also had some friends that came to visit who were also working while they were over there. They didn't have any issues. So I wouldn't let, you know, the worry of internet access get to you too much. You know, I think it depends also where you're going. But again, you can Google it. But everywhere, Thailand, Taiwan, everywhere pretty much has Wi-Fi. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. A lot of people ask me about how I stay so organized with my planning. Screenshots. I'm really good at remembering like dates and times in my brain. So for the most part, like when it came to booking flights or whatever, I never really kept them in a calendar. I just remembered. Um, but also the apps held them for me, like Capital One. If I book through them, they're all in the app, so I can just go look. But what I do recommend is screenshots because out of, which is so ironic, but out of all places that had internet issues, it's always the airport, which is the one place that you need internet the most because you're trying to pull up your tickets, you're trying to pull up your documents, etc. Screenshot everything. I will tell you, I missed out on so many accidents that could have happened just because I had a screenshot of my passport, of my CDC uh, vaccination card, of my airline ticket, whatever it, it need, needed to be. My screenshots saved my life. <laughs> so screenshot your ish. Exchanging money. A lot of people were asking me about exchanging money, how I did it, when I did it. I suggest just doing it at the airport. You rather be safe than sorry. There were times where I didn't have cash on me and I wish I did. Like there was a time where I was catching a bus in Spain and because a lot of places do take car. So I got way too comfortable with just using my car to everywhere I went. And the whole time I was Spain, I maybe took out cash three times and I was there for three months. But <laughs> coming back from Morocco, I needed to take a bus and I went to take this bus and they wouldn't take cash. And, or, sorry, they wouldn't take card and I didn't have any cash nor were there, was there an ATM like right there where I could just pull it out and the bus driver wouldn't work with me. He left. The next bus didn't come for another five hours. So I went and I got cash, um, but that was just, that's an example of like, just keep cash on you just in case, even if you don't use it, you can always exchange it back. The ATMs are, you are able to use, some of them are better than others, and some of them will have better exchange rates than the airport, but I just always suggest get it at the airport so you're not stranded anywhere. <laughs> oh, another thing with the Capital One card that I liked, it didn't have any foreign transaction fees. So like if I went to a restaurant and I used my card, I wasn't charged an additional amount just because I was using a card that's from the States. So that was another big reason for why I moved to Capital One. <sighs> laundry, how did I do laundry and when? If you have the ability to do laundry, I say do it. It's not necessarily hard to come by, but it's also not easy to come by. You won't find dryers. Dryers are just really non-existent. If you find a dryer, you're lucky. But there are laundry mats, just like we have here in the States. There are laundry mats that you can go to wherever you're at, and they will usually also have a dryer. It's a bit expensive, but considering they don't have dryers around like that, you're going to pay for, you know, what's not around. 
But I, I would suggest if you have an opportunity to do laundry, do it. You'll likely need to hang up your stuff to dry, so allow time for that. Laundry is something to be mindful of while you're traveling. I would also recommend just packing extra underwear and socks because you can't rewear those. You can rewear jeans a couple of times before you need to wash them. So maybe also think about that when you're packing. Having extra underwear helped me out. <laughs> um, so moving on to how do I pack? I'm gonna just let y'all know right now I am not a good example for this <laughs> because one, I overpacked like crazy, but it was kind of like I'm going for, at the time I thought three months, I'm going to be an abundance of different climates. Like I needed to take pants and sweaters, but I also needed to take swimming suits and shorts. So my packing was very chaotic and I don't know if I have that much advice for you other than pack extra socks, pack extra bras and pack extra underwear. Pack things that you know you can wear multiple times and mix and match with multiple different things. And most importantly, most importantly, pack comfortable shoes. I only packed two pairs of comfortable shoes and then I had like four pairs of like booties, sandals, etc. Nar, you're doing so much walking. Pack comfortable shoes and only comfortable shoes. These heels that I brought, I never wore. And the booties that I brought, I wore maybe twice and both times that I wore them, I regretted it because my feet were killing me. Just pack comfortable shoes. Pack shoes that you can dress up and you can dress down. Just pack comfortable shoes. Trust me, your feet will thank you. Okay, how did I navigate the language barrier? Well, one, you, you're going to be so humbled because I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to Spain for three months. I'm going to come back and be fluent, blah, 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 blah. No, no, not even close. I was extremely humbled throughout this entire experience. I got so frustrated throughout the entire experience because for me, my brain just does not learn languages like some of y'all hoes who are learning five different languages and can speak seven. Like, I don't know. My brain just doesn't process it. So I was having a really difficult time. But luckily, a lot of people do speak English. And also a lot of people, if they realize you're struggling, they'll want to help. And you'll. <laughs> I had some really fun interactions with the ladies at the cafes that I was going to. There's this particular cafe I was visiting quite frequently, like almost every day. And they would help me and they would correct me. And just people were understanding if you try to speak their language, like... They appreciate that, and usually they'll speak English so they can, you know, help you a bit, but that was such a very humbling experience for me. I also was doing Duolingo, and I still was sucking at Spanish, so, <laughs> um, you know, just try the things that may work for you, and if they don't, don't feel bad about it because it is tough, especially, like, and I don't know, I'm, I'm one that learns from getting myself immersed in the environments. I'm a hands-on learner. So I thought I was going to get there and be like, oh, be, hola, como esta, muy bien, y tú. <laughs> but uh, I mean, clearly I can do that, but that's about it. <laughs> so yeah, it was a very humbling experience. When it came to places like Turkey and Taiwan and Thailand, Google Translate was an app that I never closed, especially with Thai and Taiwanese. Like, you don't even recognize the letterings and the shapes, you know what I mean? So you're not able to decipher stuff as well as you are 
in Spain with everything being Spanish because you can kind of put two and two together. Same in France. Like if you look at a menu, you can kind of be like, okay, I know that's shrimp. I know that's chicken. But in Thailand and Taiwan, you don't have that. But luckily their menus are usually like half and half or they'll have it there and then English under it. So it's not too hard, but Google Translate was my best friend. Another thing that I learned, especially like after being in Turkey and visiting Kimya's family, they don't speak any English. So a lot of our communicating was gesturing, pointing, hugging, physical touch. I learned so many different ways to communicate efficiently that wasn't necessarily speaking a language, which was also very humbling and heartwarming because it was just like there are so many ways that you can communicate and show that you have good intentions. It was also just very humbling and heartwarming because it proved that there are so many different ways of communication that don't have to be from speaking the same language. It was also really funny because I started noticing I was speaking in like broken English because you're trying to speak to these other people that don't speak English um, or maybe their English is broken so you're like speaking (laughs) in ways of like two words and then pausing to try to think of like how to think of the next one like I felt like when I got back to the states my English was not as good because I was speaking in broken sentences so that was interesting I wasn't expecting that I wasn't expecting to like struggle in my own native language because I couldn't speak it fully while I was gone someone asked is there anything to avoid yes scammers just don't entertain them. Even though it may seem like a good deal, just don't entertain them. I feel like that is an obvious, just nah, no. Another thing, you can avoid a lot of mishaps by having those screenshots. I'm not kidding. These screenshots will be your best friend, especially when you don't have service in the airport. Why would they not have better service in the airports? That just makes no sense to me. Have your screenshots. my friend Miranda said what did your Google search look like when I was gone because she Google searches weird stuff so she was like I couldn't imagine if I was abroad what my Google search would look like and I don't think my Google search would be as interesting as Miranda's but my Google search was mainly like how do you say this what is this what does this mean why are there so many watch stores in Switzerland? I kid you not, Switzerland has more watch stores than LA has Starbucks. That's saying something. Another thing that I was Googling was just like different gang signs or things to not say or do that could mean something bad in another country. So for example, Carson was telling us this example, like this in Mexico is really bad. Like if you just go like that, I don't know what it means, but it's, it's bad, it's a part of some sort of gang. But here in the States, when we go like this, we're usually like, thank you for like letting me pass, letting me cross the street. Like this is thank you. But somewhere else, it can be totally different. So I was also Googling stuff like that just because I ain't trying to be dealing with people I ain't trying to be dealing with. You know what I'm saying? Um, This is a good question. Somebody asked, did I learn anything about myself as a result from my traveling? Yes. I learned the importance of having a home. So yes, I had my base while I was in Spain. I had an apartment in Spain for the three months that I was there, even when I was gone. So I had a home base there, but I didn't have a home base here in the States and all of my stuff was scattered. And when it came to coming back, I knew I had friends that would take me in, my boo would take me in, whatever, until I found a spot. But 
I felt really weird not having a space that I knew I could go back to that was mine, that had all of my stuff. I also left really chaotic, like my stuff was just all over the place. So that was giving me like an underlying anxiety while I was gone of just knowing how chaotic I kind of left things and knowing that I didn't have a spot to come back to, to call mine. So while yes, that is something that I would do differently if I were to do something like this again, is like keeping a spot here that is mine. I also don't necessarily regret it because I saved so much money of not having to pay for rent here. Like rent is expensive. Like $1,300 you don't have to pay. Like of course I would rather get rid of that and use that $1,300 towards like my rent in Spain or whatever it may be. So I think that's something like, I would toy with if I was going to do this again because the importance of having a home and the peace that that gave me, uh, it was really loud when I was gone. So that was a that was that was a big thing that I learned. Any major differences in food? Somebody asked if you could tell that uh, the food over there was cleaner and if America's food is poison. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just, you can tell a difference in the food. You can tell a difference in the produce and how fresh it is. And I don't even know if we want to get started on the cost of groceries in Spain. I was truly amazed. We did our first grocery haul, and keep in mind, this was for three people. This was for Eva, Carson, and I. Carson's a tank. He be eaten. But we did our first grocery haul, and, like, we stocked up on everything. We needed seasonings. We needed condiments. Like it was a grocery haul. This was like a $300 haul you would do here in the States to get your fridge where it needed to be. We spent 63 euros total for our huge grocery haul. And we got a lot of stuff. And I was just so amazed. $63 for three of us. That's insane. That's, that's insanity. So yes, major difference with cost. Major difference with freshness. Also, the fried food. Like, in Spain, there's a lot of tapas, so there's a lot of fried food, but it still felt light and healthy, which was a huge shock and difference for me because usually when I eat fried foods, one, my stomach gets toe up, but two, you usually just feel it's heavier and it's your body is taking a minute to digest it. But even their fried foods felt light. And then last but not least, if I could do it all over again, what would I do differently? This is tough. I think I would for sure keep a home back here in the States. And if I didn't have a home, I would at least, maybe a home that was my own, I would at least have a space where all of my stuff was in one place and I knew that that's where I'm going back to once I'm done traveling. And it was hard to like do that because one, I didn't know how long I was going to go. You know, I planned for three months. I ended up being gone four, but like I wanted the freedom of like, if I want to stay gone longer, I can. So it did allow me to have freedom of like not having a space here. But again, I, it caused like an underlying anxiety of just not having a home. And so I think I would do that differently. I also think if I could do it all over again, if there was anything that I could do differently. I learned a lot about myself on this trip in terms of the way I prefer to travel. And this is something that I wanted to bring up in the beginning when people were like, well, I don't even know where to start. But 
considering how long I've been traveling, how many years I've been traveling, and this major trip was what made me realize my travel preferences, I think that's just the nature of traveling. And you're going to have to figure that out on your own. But for me, there are places that I went to that I now know mm, I would rather go here versus here. So I'm not even going to waste my time entertaining the thought of going there. So for example, Nice, France. I loved my trip there and I specifically, I love that trip because of the people I was with. I didn't love that trip because of Nice itself. And I think, you know, the people you're traveling with is huge. But for me, I'm like, now I know I don't need to go to somewhere like Nice, France ever again. I would rather spend my time and go to somewhere in Japan or just somewhere else. I now know little things that I don't need to waste my time and my money on. But, you know, you have to do that to learn that. Like even just with museums, like I know I don't need to go to another Renaissance museum. I'm so over it. But I know I find like glass museums interesting or I find immersive museums interesting. So I think things like that, like, and I think I would have gone to Asia longer. I did three months in Europe and one month in Asia. And I did Europe first because I knew Asia was going to be my favorite. And it, and it definitely was. It definitely lived up to everything that I could have ever jumped up and more. So part of me wishes that I would have been there longer. I wouldn't even say I would do it differently because if I didn't do it the way I did the past four months, it wouldn't have clicked to me of like, oh, I just know myself 10 times better and what the best way to travel for me is. So that's why I'm also excited for my travels to come because this whole journey taught me what is worth spending my time and money on, what I'm like super interested in seeing and doing and learning about. I will never forget the morning that I woke up in Thailand. I will never forget that morning. I was just immediately like I woke up excited. I had never felt like just this pure urge of like excitement and giddiness. And like I just felt like a kid. Like I hadn't slept at all that night and I was super jet lagged but I just couldn't help but get up at like seven o'clock in the morning and just go outside and like look around and walk around like that is a feeling that I really want to have anywhere that I travel to next and like the feelings that I had in Switzerland like I'm taking notes from the best trips that I had from the past four months and I'm going to apply them for how I travel in the future and that's what I'm I think most excited about because I did run into hiccups I did run into things where I was like should I have done that? Was that trip even worth my time? But it was all a learning experience. I'm super excited about it. I'm super thankful for it. And I know that everything that I just went through, I'm only going to apply to my future travels and they're only going to be even more abundant. So if I'm going to recap anything, I think that $10,000 for three to four months is perfect. I would say I maxed out at about month four. I don't think I touched on this, but my rent in Spain for the whole three months was like $1,500. And I think that if you're going to book for a long period of time, it is smart to have a home base like that because you have a place to keep all of your stuff when you go off on your little mini weekend trips. And $1,500 for three months, that's nothing considering that's like one month of rent in LA or really anywhere else in the world. So I would say that was a really smart travel move. Everything that I did was worth it times 10. I gained so much knowledge and 
insight and perspective that I wouldn't have gained if I wouldn't have went on all of the trips. I also suggest doing a variety of different places because Europe is one thing, but Europe is also very like modernized. It's easy to get around. It's easy to navigate. So like you could start there to be easy, but like where I really took stuff away from was Turkey, Thailand, Taiwan, Switzerland. I also suggest doing your own research and taking what other people say with a grain of salt because I know I kind of said I like Nice France was a place for me and I didn't need to go but for you it could be the best place in the world that you visited and so many places said that Paris was trash but I went to Paris and I loved it and I was worried about liking Paris considering I didn't like Nice but Paris turned France around for me I was like hey wee wee you know (laughs) you know what I'm saying so don't take what everybody else has to say to the heart. Listen, take the advice, take the feedback, take the insight in, but use that to better hone in on your trips. If you want to go somewhere that somebody else thinks is trash, still go. Because if you have the urge to go there, there's probably a reason for that. And maybe you don't even have the best time, but maybe you have the best meal of your life there. Like, you know, there's there's different pros and cons. Like you may not like the nightlife, but you may love the food. You may not like the food, but you may love the nature. There's just, there's different places to everything. And I say experience as much as you can because life is short and there's so much out there to see that you don't even know exists. And you can start small here in your home country because we have so, so, so much to explore. And then you can move your way out. But yeah, so I did it from scratch. You guys can do it from scratch. Start at ground zero, save up, and then make yourself the most bomb experience that you have had yet in life. So I'm hoping that everything that I just told you and everything that I just experienced and everything that I can share with you only gives you the palette to be able to do it 10 times better than what I did. So best of luck to all of your travel endeavors. I hope this was helpful. If you have any more questions, just reach out to me. So yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. I have more in-depth blogs on each place that I travel to on my blog, InsideMallorysBrain.com. I also have other episodes that talk about more specific travels. And I also have videos on YouTube that kind of showcase the different places I've been. So go ahead and take a look. Go ahead and take a ganda. And thanks all for hanging out with me today. Remember to be well and stay swell. I'm your girl, Mallory Lovings. Peace.